Good morning, good morning. Again. The most beautiful moments always seem to accelerate and slip beyond one's grasp just when you want to hold on to them for as long as possible. E.A. Buccaneri's uh, quote from Brush Strokes of a Gadfly kind of reminds me of our church retreats in many ways. Uh, you know, the retreats in this community have, you know, they've kind of been like a magical, mystical, kind of out of time and space experience, at least for me, you know, and uh, we've, um, we've, we've grown up and we watched our kids grow up during the retreats and kids can kind of roam like they were saying, roam free and just sort of, you know, run around <laughs> and uh, be a little independent. And I think uh, during the course of the weekend, I saw two, two African-American boys uh, who resembled River and Joshua. I think I saw them once throughout the whole thing. So they were having a good time. Um, what is an aha moment? For me, an aha moment is one of those moments that you, um, you're going about your business and you go, wow, oh, oh, aha, whoa, a, a new idea. You know, and sometimes, you know, for me, you know, I actually don't like them too much because I, you know, I, I used to require them. That's pretty arrogant. It's like saying, hey, aha, show me something, aha. You know, I read a book, see a play, you know, see a speech, to talk to somebody, and, I, and you're waiting to, like, you know, give me an aha moment. But the best aha moments are the ones that just are thrust upon you, that you just sort of, you know, you get. And I, I had a few of those at the retreat. They were... Um, they were interesting, just interesting. I had, I, had a, I had a couple of them, actually, and I just wanted to share some of my reflections, you know, in and around uh, some of that, um, that verse from John 15. And I'm not going to take it apart. I'm just going to tell you how that, that uh, text, uh, how it affected me and through the context of our, of our gathering at retreats. And in our small group, we were looking around and, you know, we were looking at how to be best connected to the vine, you know, and, and, and all that, and what are some barriers to the vine and being connected in, in them. And so we asked ourselves, during the last two years, we experienced a deadly, socially disruptive pandemic, and over one million people lost their lives. We also experienced the horrific, racially motivated murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and others. We experienced a whole summer of protests with Black Lives Matter, and we are experiencing, still now, the extreme political and social polarizing, you know. We're experiencing a new form of religious nationalism, white nationalism, populism, time of banning books and people losing the choice for their bodies, governors busing and flying people in charter planes to St. George cities. And during all of this, we've We've started, we've tried to stay connected and, and remain in God's love. And we asked ourselves in our, in our group, how has God sustained us during all this? What were we shocked to find about ourselves? How has God loved and pursued us during this time? And how will we love and pursue others? And one of the aha moments for me was the recognition that I had an actual choice in the matter. You know, uh, you remember that film a little while ago, it was by, uh, it's called The Matrix. You remember that film, The Matrix? And it uh, was the character, uh, Larry Fishburne, uh, played Morpheus. He was this sort of like the, I guess the John the Baptist character, if you want to draw an analogy. 
and he presented Neo, uh, the chosen one, with this choice, the red pill, I mean, my, my lyrics was burned. Neo, the red pill, no, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm a horrible actor, so. Um, so you, um, the red pill or the blue pill? The, if you, the blue pill, you know, you, you read what it said. Uh, can you go to the, the, the red, uh, the blue pill? So what, can you read that? It says, um, you take, uh, so you take the blue pill, and the blue pill, you wake up in your bed, and you continue to believe whatever you believe, and do whatever you want, right? That's the, the blue pill. And for me, that blue pill, oh, you can turn the lights back up. Um, the blue pill for me meant in my life is working very, very hard to make sure I get everything right, perfect, certain of things, the right information, the right theology, the right political views, the right views on gender, and understanding that my worth and value is determined by what others think about me as a heterosexual, cisgendered, able-bodied black man who, in most social spaces that I inherit, you know, whether it be the school PA, uh, the community hope, uh, the church staff on some film sets, you know, people look at me and they consider me a safe, articulate, well-spoken, reasonable person whose goal is to sort of prioritize and caretake the comfort of others. Sometimes my white brothers and sisters to make sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable. And the goal is sameness and status quo and making sure that I don't rock the boat theologically, socially, culturally, that I make sure that that doesn't happen at all. And that pill and that goal for me is more concerned about ease and winning than sacrificial prophetic truth. Or I could take the red pill. Now, what's the, what's the red pill say? I, I can read it here. I'm going to try it with my glasses. It says, you take the red pill and you, what? You say yes to Wonder Man and, you, and I will show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Which translates to me, if I'm trying to stay connected with the Lord through the vine and remaining in God's love, that I have to learn how to dance responsibly with the Lord and hold on to the Lord's hand. And in order to do that, a few things must happen. First, I must trust the flow of the Spirit. Trust. I mean, if there's a deficit somewhere, if, if a, I'm up here and there's, if there's a deficit, if I say the wrong thing, Say the wrong text. Don't make a connection with the text. If I don't, if I fall on my face, it's going to be okay. A graceful God will say, "That's okay. You know, you're not going to lose. You know, it's okay." I think to to acknowledge that the Spirit will always intercede for me is good. Also, if I'm going to stay connected to, the, to the, the love of God by taking the red pill, I must learn to continuously disrupt and interrupt those ideas and positions that, in my life that 
that make me and others sometimes feel too comfortable. I must disrupt social attitudes toward, toward internalized racial pathologies that I've kept in all my life. Um, those same things that say that, you know, people of color are inherently less than, or that people who are white are inherently better than, or that my gay and trans brothers and sisters are less than and not part of a you know, community of a worshiper or any kind of a gathering. When in fact, we're all the personification of God's love and, and, and beauty. Amen? This kind of disruption, it's have to disrupt narratives about homelessness and poverty and saying, oh, people who are homeless and they're you know, just, just taking advantage of lazy, drug-addicted, mentally ill, and oh my God, we just, they've just given up. And part of that disruption, and I'll just be honest, it, um, if one disrupts, takes the red pill, you kind of see things differently. And that disruption, it makes you sometimes culturally, socially, emotionally, homeless. I feel have taken the red pill that many times I don't, I feel socially, emotionally, culturally homeless. Because I know that my views, my attitudes, my, my, my frames are many times at odds with those in my community, those people I love, on different paths sometimes. And that makes you feel lonely, makes you feel homeless, culturally, socially. Emotionally. I'm keeping it real. And sometimes people don't understand why you're acting so strange. What's the big deal? Just go along with it. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it, and, and sometimes those things are very challenging. Taking the red pill, you also realize that God has shown you some things about yourself that are shocking. You know, when, when God reveals something to you, you're like, whoa, is that, the, is that how it always has been? And I had, one, had a few of those moments at the retreat, actually. We, was, we had a small group of talking, and, you know, we, people were sharing, and, you know, and some, some very personal things. And, you know, and I was trying to facilitate, and I was, you know, I was taken aback by what I was hearing. And, and also, not taken aback, but I was, I was enthralled, and it was, you wanted to kind of usher and affirm. And then you, like, you kind of read into other people's stories and narratives, your own narrative as well, and you like, and then you kind of sort of see some things in your own uh, mindset that you haven't thought about too much. And I, and I just wanted to share a few now. Here, you know, one of the reasons why I, I wear these a lot, shades, you know, see my shades? You, know, you, you think of Carl Gerson, Minister of Outreach, you, all, you think, oh, is that the guy with the, the black guy with the shades? That's a, I've, I've had people say that to me, like, you know, so, oh, oh yeah, oh, oh, Carl, someone told you, he's the guy with the shades. You know why I wear shades all the time? Anybody know? Well, first, I am cool. I'm cool. Let's that's, that's, that's give that up. Yes, that is true. That's not a rumor. I wear shades. I cry a lot. 
I don't want you to see that. Because sometimes deep down in those spaces, I feel completely inadequate. As a minister, as a father, as a husband, as a friend, And, and also, my views sometimes, I actually sometimes don't feel as though people have the capacity on their best days to overcome white supremacy, Islamophobia, xenophobia. Sometimes I think it's inevitable. And now that almost sounds heretical. But then, I'm forced to recognize, wow, as we asked our, our third question in our group, having internalized those things, how has God pursued you and loved you? And I think one of the ways that God has pursued and loved me is he has helped me to press on despite my ambivalence. to live as a disciple in spite of the evidence, because the evidence doesn't support it. I mean, historically, culturally, if you want peace, you don't, you know, you're, you're either disappointed or you're naive or you have another narrative. I'm trying to latch on to that other narrative of, just gotta do it. Why? Because God loves me. That's why. You realize how God has loved you and pursued you right smack in the middle in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the troubling diagnosis, in the middle of the confusion. God has given you a song, a whisper in your ear, a friend at midnight, a small group, and it's given you a joy and a resource when you were at the end of your rope. And in a very quiet and unassuming manner, Lord's fighting those battles that you didn't know you had. And maybe fighting a battle that you didn't even know you were in. And in, in the middle of my demand and our demand for certainty, when all that is required is faith. Because I think the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. If I'm unequivocally certain about something, about an outcome, then the bloody push and pull battle, the sweat and tears, the, the, and the joys of faith are not required. If you already know it, you don't need that. What's the faith? Why? Where's the, where's the, where's the leaping off into? In our small group at the retreat, the very last question we asked was, how will you love and pursue others as God has loved and pursued you? Now, before I give you the, the correct and the certain answer, I want you to look at, you, look at each other if you get it for a second. Can you look at each other? Look at your brothers and sisters. Maybe you can say, say a wave. You know, I see um, you know, we, we still have our, some of our, our youth group here. By the way, youth group, thanks, thanks for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. I mean, you've inspired me to, by, by you hanging with us. 
Thanks. At, um, so everybody see everybody else? You see that? That's sort of um, so now that we've, uh, we've done that, I want to give you the correct answer as to how will you love and pursue others as God has loved you. And I can tell you the truth unequivocally, with absolute certainty, without a doubt, that the answer to that question is 